Ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of one year and the beginning almost of a new year of Doctor Who. The 15th Doctor has arrived fully formed in his first full-length episode, The Church on Ruby Road. This is Who's Raven On, a Raven On podcast subsection analytical thingy. Just don't think too hard about it. It makes sense. And I'm the host, Natalie, and with me should be the wonderful, dearly departed Stuart Late, who loved a Doctor Who episode any time of the year, but particularly at Christmas, uh, and instead joining me to bring those um, fantastic Doctor Who expertise views as the wonderful, from the Best Pick podcast in London, it's Tom Selinski and John Tawney. Hello. Hello. Hooray. Hooray for us. Not in London on this occasion. Uh, I'm in Stevenage, which nobody should be. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said I should have said the UK. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, racist. be less specific, Natalie. Be less specific. <laughs> Incidentally, for the sake of because this has come up a few times, this is uh, my mum's birthday today, or would have been if uh, if she hadn't passed away in February. Aww. It really struck me actually this morning of thinking because um, uh, my mum's birthday was always such a part of the Christmas celebrations. I'd basically like come down for Christmas and then stay over mum's birthday to New Year, and it'd be like a big whole week-long thing and in contrast it means that in contrast to my dad my dad's uh my dad's birthday was october the 20th and it, and that's kind of quite an ordinary day uh so it means that I, I will occasionally like go oh it's dad's birthday today and i forgot about it completely not going to forget this one because it's part of the christmas season and you're automatically going to go oh it's yeah it's like bang on in the middle of going and that'll be the razor glass to monday so yeah anyway but yeah so i i, I had my oh, had my breakfast that's... with an episode of ghosts this morning because i've been largely saving watching that the most the final series of that until uh until i came over here to watch it in her living room because it was a thing we always watched together and had a good time with Aww. oh to start so on an sweet. upbeat note no oh you know what it's the season for reflection isn't it oh well it should be thinking about the year that's gone and the year that's coming up and hopefully it's better and for those who've been listening to our joined podcast for the last few months uh, would know Stuart Late, my my late podcasting partner, and how bizarre is that coincidence? Speaking of coincidences, as we will about this episode. Um, But, yes, it was his birthday a bit earlier this month, the 17th, and we were very lucky his family uh, invited us to go to his graveside and we sort of, uh, you know, had this Johnny Walker blue label scotch that he'd been saving. And uh, and so they opened it and, and we all had a, drink and I even had a shot and I don't drink alcohol and I find it tastes incredibly strong and off-putting and I even took a shot for stew and um you know I I don't regret it um but it was difficult because I don't like the taste but um yeah so it was you know it's been a sad month and I'm so sorry about your mum John but yeah it's a lovely it's at least lovely that you'll always know at Christmas time is always her time as well well, I have just come back as we record this. I've literally been home for maybe three hours, four hours, uh, because I've been away for Christmas visiting family and uh, out and about in the great brown land that is Australia. And um, it's really hot here, guys. It's burning hot. We have had, I've missed them, but Christmas here in Brisbane, my hometown, has been racked by deadly, literally deadly summer storms. I think there are still something like 20,000 people still without power and it's been days. There was a terrible storm on Christmas Day itself. Uh, I think it caught a few people by surprise. There were some people out on like an annual Bodhi trip and they drowned and there was like a little girl lost in a storm. It's just been a weird thing. So, I mean, I know that the Northern Hemisphere gets blizzards and traffic standstills and crazy things, but um, 
yeah, we've been dealing with uh, heat, which even for, like, it is obviously our summer. We are obviously used to temperatures in the 30s, but uh, there's been some particularly bad storms. And I think we haven't really um, had them on, you know, at the Christmas period. So everyone's maybe a bit lax, but it's been um, quite a time. And as we drove north, because we were down south in the capital, Canberra, for Christmas, and as we've driven north coming home, just the temperature just keeps going up and up and up. So I am envious of you in your beautiful, I don't know, what are you, five degrees Celsius? Yeah, it was actually the first time it really felt properly Uh, cold last night, actually, weirdly for me. It's been a a surprisingly um, mild uh, Christmas winter yeah well mild for me would be uh mild for you would be freezing for me and it sounds delicious <laughs> oh no i i 100 know yeah i remember the time i went to australia it was like walking down the street in a t-shirt and seeing all these other people like wrapped up in their coats going, what are you wearing that for? <laughs> it depends where you go it really depends where you go because some places in australia are proper cold and people don't believe you um but oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah typically Australians often will rug up where Europeans or Americans, uh, people who live in cold climates, yeah. will go. What are you doing? <laughs> it's probably why. I'd probably, it's likely why I'd go Melbourne, just because the wind chill kind of really helps there a bit. Makes me feel more at home. It, it's so windy in Melbourne. Oh my god! And it's flat, so it just. Um, but yes. Exactly. Anyway, so that's Straight where I am. Sea, right into your bones. If if I sound sweaty, it's because I am, and uh, yes. I apologise. If you can sense sweat yeah. through a podcast. I mean, you're not Prince Andrew, but it's fine. So, <laughs> I really hope not. I really hope not. God, imagine Don't suddenly discovering you're Prince not. Andrew. Imagine that suddenly. Oh my God! Oh, I'm Prince, oh shit! <laughs> I, if <laughs> only he had that awareness. That, like, that, that does happen to him every morning. First, yeah, it feels like some sort of weird Groundhog Day type. Like <laughs> yes, freaky every Friday, day he wakes up. Where you wake Prince up and every day you wake up and you're Prince Andrew. <laughs> Imagine that as a body swap horror. <laughs> I quite like that as an idea now. That is very fun. Add it to the this, list of... Uh, three years from today. Yeah. Uh, well, what about this episode? I didn't actually get to watch it on Christmas Day because of all the family uh, business. It uh, was a couple of days. Um, we watched it in a hotel on the way back up um, to, to Brisbane on um, the computer, the very computer that I'm recording this yeah. podcast on, my my Apple MacBook Pro. So it was hardly the uh, ideal viewing um, instrument for it in terms of size yeah. and scale. Uh, but in terms of story, it was perfectly I, satisfactory. I, and I look forward to re-watching it on uh, my regular TV. I have something of a Christmas tradition, which is I go and visit my family, say I'd quite like to watch Doctor Who when it goes out on Christmas da- Christmas Day. And then never manage to watch it out when it goes out on Christmas Day. Obviously, it, uh, it, it's been a tradition that's been missing for about five years. Uh, but I remember definitely the last time it happened because my my, my sort of ex girlfriend messaged me at one point uh, and said, "Who's Lethbridge Stewart?" Uh, and there's a bit going, "Well, okay, thank you. I, don't, I don't get to watch it live, Flavia. I never do." Um, and uh, and so that was so she learned a lesson from that and thought always check that he's watching it live. Uh, before before sending a message through, and yeah, absolutely. Went, <laughs> I think I ended up watching it at about eleven o'clock. Um, purely because I did sort of. I, I know my brother and I was interested in seeing it, but he's not fully up to date on the special, so I didn't feel bad, and the, the various nephews are. But I did. Um, but I I watched it at eleven because I kind of got the vibe from reading various things, going, oh, oh, there's something, some stuff I need to be, avoid being spoiled on. Turned out there wasn't really, not really. But it was just I I, I it was it it was because I was so. <laughs> 
quickly glancing over social media to try and avoid it that I didn't realise that the two things I'd seen weren't actually spoilers. One was um, was like, I thought, oh, I didn't check who the post was from it, who kind of someone saying, oh, like, you know, this is amazing. And I'm going, no, it's a baby. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see what that is. Does anyone look back and realise, oh, no, that, that was my friend Gemma Arrowsmith. And she'd taken a photo of herself in the episode because she was the social worker. Um, and and I go, that, if, I'd not, if I'd looked long enough, I'd have seen that it was Gemma posting about it and I'd have seen the picture, but I didn't want to see it. And the other one was, I think it was a, a script editor of work called Alan Barnes. He tweeted something. I gasped when the reveal happened, which came through as like a, like a tweet notification on my, on my feed. And, yep. but it was, but it was about 12 hours old for some reason. It turned up at exactly like about the precise moment you'd have a reveal twist at the end of the episode, <laughs> but it was from the, 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 um, ghost stories for Christmas in relation to that, the previous night. And I'd seen it. I'd even seen him say that. And then it came up as an, uh, yeah, so was, but yeah, so I ended up watching th- at about 11 o'clock at night on Christmas day. Uh, and then festively, because my, my youngest nephew is getting into watching the classic series, I watched, well, sort of half watched bits of the first ever two episodes because I brought my DVD of an unearthly child ah. to show him because you can't get that on the iPlayer. We spent Christmas with friends of the country. And uh, as many previous years, I essentially walked through the door saying, Doctor Who is on at this time. I'll be watching it. Uh, if uh, I needed <laughs> to do, uh, peel potatoes or uh, scrub carrots, then I can do that before or after. Uh, but not during. It's Aww. always it's always ring fenced. Um, all right, shall we do our minute challenges? Yes. Good call. I Who think it's your it? turn to go first, Tom. Okay. Yours. Um, all right. I started with let's put the show on right here in the sky. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, so we had this a good musical number not leaked, but we'd had it we'd had it released ahead of time, so we kind of knew what to expect. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I deliberately didn't watch the the, the advanced stuff because I thought, no, I kind of want to see it in the context of the actual episode, and it's fun, yeah. It's really good fun. I think the prosthetics all look great. I think uh, the making them smaller all works really well. Uh, I love that uh, the Doctor, in part, solves the problem by getting the band to keep playing. Uh, and yeah. I love that uh, Ruby's not quite as good at improvising lyrics as the Doctor is, which seems right. To be fair, also it's worth it's worth noting that the least part of the ability to improvise is the fact that you know she, if she's like starts just trying to sing, coincidence will help her out. Indeed, yes, yeah, yeah. And she no, she is in a band, so she's got yeah, some exactly. ability. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's fun. I always kind of, I mean, I like a big silly musical number in the right context, anyway. So um, yeah, it, it, it was a hoot. Had you seen that, Nat? Seen what? The so they, they released that music number as a little clip on its own before the rest of the episode went out. Did not. And uh, can I say, I was surprised and slightly weirded out by that <laughs> whole sequence. Like I could, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, look, I'm, I'm not opposed to a cheesy musical number at all. Uh, and I definitely, it definitely added to the sense that I was watching sort of a reboot of Labyrinth. Um, which is on my minute challenge, like a goblin steals a baby and they all dance about it. Um, But I was not expecting the doctor to sing and I feel like maybe it didn't feel to me like there was a reason why he was in just straight away singing. I realise now in hindsight maybe it's the whole it's chance, it's coincidence, it's luck. So, Well, he's playing for time, isn't he? He needs to be able to work out the knots and he's playing for time. Yeah, I guess 
I guess I didn't understand why he was just breaking into song. Um, to give you my sort of framework for musical episodes, I guess I sort of had it in my mind, uh, my favourite musical episode of a TV series ever, or, well, there are two of them actually, Xena Warrior Princess did two musical episodes and kind of had a reason why people were singing. Same with the Buffy musical episode where it was a demon casting a spell. So I was like, why is he singing? There seems to be no reason apart from the fact that the goblins were just singing to be fair there is no good reason the goblins should be singing either the lyrics of their song (laughs) that they already know uh but it it, yeah yeah it's just this is what we do now we sing a song about how good we are and 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 tell ourselves things we already know but i kind of don't mind that and and again it's I, i i go along with the ride because this is what they've decided to do and they've gone big musical number christmas let's go but I just have to say I was really weirded out by it. And because I hadn't seen anything about the episode, I'd managed to avoid all spoilers. I didn't go looking. I was when he said, you know, play it again, Janice. I was like, who's Janice? What? Janice. And then Goblin, all of a sudden he's singing. You didn't ah, get the joke. No, no, no. That is not the joke. Janice. That Janice is not the Goblin? Joke. No, it's basically she oh, was like called Janice Joplin. Yeah. But that is not why she's called Janice. Oh. She's called Janice nope. because she has yeah, because she's she was called Janice by the doctor in the script because she had long blonde hair and it was a reference to Janice from the Muppets. But when it went online, when it went online, people started calling her Janice Goblin. And and Russell D. Davis had they enough sense to go, Yeah, Russell D. Davis had enough sense to go, yeah, you know what? That's a better joke, so let's go with that. So um, <laughs> Okay, that completely went over my head. So I I just was watching that whole thing going. What am I watching? Like it just maybe it was a tired day after driving and being on the road, but I was like, I don't know what I think about any of this. I think Christmas specials are are allowed to play by slightly different rules, uh, and certainly I think the fact that this is a bit silly, a bit crazy, that's not an accident. That's not something that happened while Russell D. Davis wasn't looking. That's very, very deliberate. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I get it. But it just <laughs> it was almost a bit too Russell T. Davis for me. I was like, what? Because I thought, like I thought, the the you know the the doctor dancing in the club to begin with that was lots of fun, and I had no, and it was all of a sudden then he's just singing like full on, perfectly improvising uh, follow up verses to this, and then it was charming when Millie, as you say, couldn't quite do as well, but still gave it a red hot go, which shows she's you know com- good companion material. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, and I just went back and rewatched the actual song, song the Janice song, which again went over my head. And I, I still, I don't know how I feel about it. Like the, 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 she sings so beautifully and all the rest of the goblins are going and, and cackling and going, and she's got this beautifully enunciated singing voice, although admittedly with some slightly, I don't know, lyrics that could have used, uh, she says salted twice, like salted, and then it's now it's salted. You like say seasoned. Not, not all the lyrics now are the absolutely seasoned. top notch. But I think it's very deliberate that we have a scene of humans in a club listening to music early in the episode uh, with somebody on stage singing, and then we see the goblins doing the same thing, just as kind of reassure us this is just a thing that people do. They they get together yeah. and they listen to somebody singing and they have a good time. Yeah, yeah. and that's I yeah goblins and just I get do it, it while eating like- babies. Yeah, while well, eating babies. Oh, but but the goblin king ate the baby, and I was trying to. I was like, but how's the goblin king? It's one baby. How's that? Oh, yeah. all of them. Because I I was wondering that that, that exact question again. It says this baby will sustain us for ages, and I find it going. How does the goblin king 
consume it and then gets enough energy to, I don't know, lactate uh, some <laughs> form of uh, like life-giving energy or whatever. I don't know. Does does he eat the baby yeah. and then turn into David Bowie? Um, and then yeah, 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 and they all feast on the cod piece. I don't know. We'll have to go to the uh, the crypto zoo to make sense <laughs> of it at some point yeah. in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fine, but it it, it works on on that sort of the, the the logic that you've got about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bonkers, and I get that it's bonkers, and I should just go. You know what? It's bonkers, and that's fine. But it just threw me so much that all of a sudden they were singing it. I again, I can't ex- I can't explain exactly why when I'm normally right up there for a strange, silly musical number like I get into them but this time I was just like what and I think I think maybe it was because I was still like just invested in these new characters and this new story and who are these new people and how do they belong to each other and how do they fit um and then all of a sudden they were singing and I was like what what it was like I don't know like I was tripping or something (laughs) what's going on Uh, speaking of what's going on I also wrote um slack direction now, this has been something which uh, really has not been a feature of the show for a long time. Uh, but there are a few things which really made me go, uh, hang on a minute. Uh, that big hero moment, which had also been pre-released, uh, of uh, Shooty running along the, oh, the roof, roof and then launching himself at the uh, the rope ladder. None of the angles seem to match. It's like there are, there are three good shots there. And they've been optimistically edited together, but they don't match. And you don't get any real sense of where he is in space, where he's going to. I don't think any of the geography inside the goblin ship really made sense. And the worst bit, the really weird bit, is um, that uh, Ruby's flat appears to be bigger on the inside. Because I noticed she, that. She goes all the way to the end of the corridor. She turns left to go through her front door and then she goes right into a very expansive kitchen which as far as i can tell is now outside the building i mean there could be a bit <laughs> depending on how the layout of that floor works there could be a bit going around like in an l shape from the, the one across the way or something i'm going to look like there is no yeah. but and there's a few I, things and i just i just thought yeah we're so used to this sort of smooth house style and all of the previous specials have looked absolutely fantastic i think particularly some of the stuff in the giggle is brilliantly directed amazingly handled and it's just a shock to see something which looks like it's been done rather haphazardly i i did notice i i must say that i i you know my eyes probably not as good as that with with shooty jumping across the rooftop i was just thinking how is he getting such a height on those jumps he's like running and holding a conversation and leaping a meter into the air every time he's so athletic he's a fascinating Um, mover actually this is one of the things i kind of really noticed with it so the 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 style of running across the roof where it's almost like it's only his legs doing the work is really intriguing so it's kind kind of like almost like river dancing along the roof yes yes but then also the other bit which is kind of really noticeable is 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 um is is when he opens the door in the goblin ship and scuttles out, where he zooms across that. Yes, floor. like he's like he's on, in the on, Exorcist. Like a... It's yeah, it's yeah, and and so the, and, and you know none of the rest of us can move on all fours as quick as that man does. So don't know quite what he's got, but he, it's impressive. He, is he reminded me of those. There's there's those internet videos that you can see where like women who've trained themselves to run like a horse, like run on all fours. It's weird. I don't look. I don't know what corner of TikTok I was on that I saw this, but just if you if you Google like people running like horses, there's like a thing where people train themselves to run on all four legs, and that's what that remind. 
yeah, as you say, very exorcist. Um, but yes, I did notice about the flat. I was like, why are they in this really like, cause they talk about being stuck up in the attic, you know, three queens in the attic, but it's this incredibly long. It's almost like, you know, I'm not an expert on your fine architecture, but it, it, it always seems to me like English houses when they're all, um, attached, you know, in the terraces that they're all up and up and down and have a pokey apartment. Whereas this was like someone's knocked through. Almost like in the Meep, you know, when they were knocking through all oh, the, the, roofs, the flat yeah. the attics to escape. So it was like someone knocked through and they were all up there. It was really huge. And I, it, again, it's that whole thing of, oh no, we're just here and we're we're not well off, but we have each other and we're a lovely family. It's like, well, that flat looks incredible. <laughs> yeah, some line about rent control, which is, I don't think is really a thing in Britain. But uh, yeah, really, the, the flat has to be that big so they can be at one end with the baby at the other. Uh, and give yes. the government's time to nick it, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's just a, it's an uncharacteristically slack bit of production from a show which normally is absolutely top notch, and, and elsewhere in this episode is top notch. Yeah, but Shooty, actually, I haven't, I haven't written this down, but Shooty and uh, Millie, I think, are both absolutely sensational. They're I great. I can't remember they, yeah. a, a more confident double debut, maybe since Matt Smith and Karen Gillan, and they may have even eclipsed them. Uh, they're just completely fully formed. And I think I'm, I'm benefiting slightly because uh, I haven't seen Sex Education and I haven't seen Coronation Street. So I'm not familiar with any of their previous works. So as mean, far as I'm concerned, they are The Doctor and Ruby Sunday. For me, I've, only, I've not seen uh, Millie Gibson before in anything, but I have, I've seen, I think, the first three seasons of Sex Education and I need to catch up on the fourth. Uh, but even then, it it feels a it feels a very distinctly different performance. But at the same time, like well, well, like I think all sort of good character actors, you can sort of see the the, the central man through and aspects of that coming out. Um, and there's a slightly weird explanation I've got for this. If if you, if you give me a second, I remember seeing a friend of mine um, who'd seen uh, David Tennant's Hamlet. Uh, it's not a euphemism, and uh, he. Um, I saw David Tennant's Hamlet. To be fair, is I mean, that a euphemism? I've seen David Tennant's Hamlet when that is a euphemism because I, I saw him on, in a production of What the Butler Saw when I when he was very young. Anyway, the um, wow. The, the but, but he said he wanted to see watch the entire thing and think he didn't want to see any traces of the Tenth Doctor there. And then he said, "Oh, but I did see I did see aspects of him." Go, no, 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 no. What you've seen is aspects of David Tennant. Every character has got the same actor playing them, so they've got the same shared things. Even mm. if it's just he talks really quickly as everything, you know. It, it, so there are, mm. there are there are common characteristics that the actor brings to it uh, that then the character has other things. But yeah, the doc, his, the Shooty's uh, Gatwas Doctor is very different from Eric in Sex Education, um, <laughs> and in a weirdly sort of undefinable way. I think uh, confidence probably is one of them because um, the character comes out and is just. Uh, th- there's no doubt that this is not is the most sort of confident and comfortable in yourself person you've you've seen in your life, and and just radiating charisma and and a sense of um, joy at the world. Um, mm. But but, but it's it's an interesting because it's got very much the, the in the style of the modern doctors, which is all sort of a sort of positive. I, I, this is a slightly unfair way of describing it, but a tiny bit lager twat in terms of like adverts for like guys who enjoy lager was sort of the the, the younger ones. So like your Tennant and your Matt Smith kind of have that. I'm a little bit wacky. I mean, you know, you know, sort of vibe. Yeah. So it's got aspects of that, um, but but it's still kind of very different. It doesn't quite feel like any of the others to me. Um, so I'm still to the degree I'm still slightly waiting to grasp the character. Uh, which I think I do with new doctors almost every time anyway. It goes, oh, it'll take me a few episodes to really kind of get a sense of who this person is. 
but it feels like it's, yeah. it's really bold and confident and uh, but not in an obvious way I suppose that's kind of the way, the way I wanted to find it it's not kind of like you know, go look at how much personality I've got look how wacky I am which is again the slightly kind of like the DJ thing of going I'm a wild and crazy guy and you're just going no stop telling me you're mm. wild and crazy you, you know, I, I will notice if you are but telling me you're wild and crazy makes you feel ter- yeah. sound terribly conservative so actually there's a kind of it's it, it's it's all quite sort of it, it's there's a there's a confidence there but it's not really kind of pushing it for me which is what i love actually i've seen uh shitty gatwa only in the barbie movie oh uh, yeah which came out this year of what remains of 2023 and of course all he was a ken and all the kens had a quite a prescriptive way to act so while he was very good and and enjoyable on screen he didn't have a huge amount to do and he was you know down the pecking order of Ken's behind um obviously Ryan Gosling and Simi Lou Simi Lou was it Simi Lou Simi Lou forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that name but yeah so he didn't have huge he was just kind of this very happy and also I think he was using an American accent more so it wasn't I think the best way to see his skill this obviously brings a lot more what is the one of the words of the year is riz, riz. what the kids call it riz. <laughs> yes. charisma and uh, he's got the riz and i think he's got one of those smiles where i almost expect like a cartoon you know gleam to go bing as he smiles yeah. it's just like i'm the doctor like bling. yeah um just yeah great big smile big eyes um and when he jumps onto that rope ladder with uh, Ruby Sunday, and he's like, hello, Ruby Sunday, and he just has this gleam uh, in his face. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing more of him. I must say, uh, and this is just me, this is no reflection on anything, I'm still finding his accent that that we talked about at last episode, how his accent is that melting pot. Yeah. And it, it's very, it's very varied. Like when he's yelling, when he's running and yelling like, what are you doing? You just saw a rope ladder and said, I'll jump on that, babes. You know, and then he, it almost like he's matching it to different people that he's with. I don't know if that's the right way to no, I, phrase it, but I, yeah. I think that's fair. It, I think because it is not a specific accent, even from like someone who's like a, a, a native English, uh, like like myself, it's this bit where again every now and then you kind of have to reattune to the new sound because you kind of got used to it being a bit Scottish, and then suddenly it's a bit uh, mm. you know, Rwandan, isn't it? This is origin, isn't it? But it's um, yeah, uh, it's family origins and. Uh, yeah, so every now and then you have to go, oh, what was that? Yeah, no, I've got that. And, but it, it's something where I think even that will you'll get used to it the further time goes on. His defining mm. moment for me was also what I thought was the most powerful part of the episode, which is where he's realising that the goblins have changed history and uh, is listening to Ruby's mother talking about how she fosters occasionally when she needs the money. And uh, he starts crying. Uh, yeah. And I can't imagine any other doctor doing that. And yet it's so doctorish, this sort of enormous heart, this enormous compassion and this terrible sadness that something so wonderful has been taken away. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. She says to him, why are you crying? And he says, why are you crying? Um, that that was a lovely moment. But I do, I have a question to ask you both. Is it? Do you think the reason why she was very sad was because Millie had been there and then wasn't there? Is that sort of what I'm to glean from that? I, I, I think it's just some sense she's got, um, like extra temporal sense of what history should have been because um, it, it's it's only just changed around her, so it's not quite uh, fully formed yet, I think. is is, is That's how I re- read that. 
um, in that there, for me there was quite a sort of a, a I was watching it again feeling like I don't know I I just it felt like it could have gone into the message or was close to getting into the message of oh you didn't have a child ergo you are unhappy and unfulfilled and hate everyone which I think is always very um, uh, risky to do. I get that it's Christmas. I get that it's family, but I just as someone and I, you know, I don't have children. So it's like, ah, right. So uh, if I had a child, my life would be so much better. I don't, again, I'm not saying because I had this discussion um, uh, with my partner, Greg, and he, he was very much like, no, no, no. It was because she was there and she felt that she had had something and it had gone. Yeah. Um, but she That's was a foster carer I before. But I, I think it's about it's about having people to love, I think, more than uh, having yeah. to have somebody to whom you are a parent uh, and they are your child. It's that without Millie there, she didn't have that, that she didn't have people around her to love. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, um, I don't even like my own mother. <laughs> well, I, I don't think, know. Yeah, just... Ruby was the glue that held that family together, and like I said, that that glue doesn't have to be uh, a, a child. Uh, it can be a partner. It can be a pet. It can be a hobby. Uh, it can be yeah. uh, an urban family of people that you're not related to. But uh, without that, life is is colder and and bleaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, de- I definitely got it. It just it just felt. I don't know, kind of, as I said, it could veer into the, to what I would call slightly, slightly uncool yeah. territory. Oh, I do get that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's why. I it all depends how you read it, but, isn't but, it, really, with these things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And also it just, because she was a foster carer, um, she had fostered people before Millie, because I'm sure they, they mentioned that as like, that was the one that she kept. Um, so it just, it was like, oh, here's a woman who obviously is willing to open her heart to um, children that aren't her biological children, but she wants to help them. But for some reason, without Millie coming in, she stopped, which I guess is fair enough. But um, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, just, I don't know, something about it didn't ring a hundred. Like, I get, like, I get the intention and I, I get that it was a powerful driver and I get that it had this wonderful emotional. Um, heft to it. I, I get all that. It was just for me. There was a tiny bits of clunkiness in the finer I mean, detail, but maybe I'm overthinking it. <laughs> but for me, that sequence, in fact, that sort of general, like around about ten minutes around that area, was was the weakest part of the episode for me. Not her reaction or those bits, but um, and I, I I can talk to Tom about this because I think Tom covered something in, in his blog about the episode, which we'll we'll cover in a second. Uh, but after the the attack on the goblin ship and they get back and they've rescued the baby, there's sort of like about a good five to ten minutes where they, it feels like they aren't quite sure where the episode's going now. Uh, now, according to, if, if, if Tom's right, there's, there was a late cut of a Goblin King effect sequence that would have then, I think, covered over that uh, and, and papered over those, in, in this case, a literal crack. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, the air goes out of the balloon a bit, doesn't it? it yeah. Uh, the tension ebbs away. And yeah, there was meant to be a big effect sequence of the Goblin King rampaging through the flat, uh, yeah. which they couldn't shoot. And that's also why the episode's 55 minutes instead of 60. Yeah, but it felt that, yeah, yeah. I felt that that bit, it, it meant that that was a slightly long bit and it meant that um, the sequence with uh, Ruby's Gone went on a bit too long for me. Uh, so by the time I actually got to that bit, which is genuinely emotional, it's this bit where going, yeah, I, I feel that if I'd not spent the last few minutes going okay where's this going uh i'd have had a I, it would have earned its time more but as i say this is the, the the problem of um 
as I, as I think I've talked about before, the, 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 the perfect crucible uh, as, as, as a concept where if you are, perhaps if you are writing a novel, what you want can happen. But if you are writing like any form of performed media, as I didn't know from writing audio drama, sometimes you are beholden to things like budget and time and which actors <laughs> get on with each other um, and, and have to write a story around those. And it's not always, and in this case, it's a bit going, yes. So, and, and there is another example of this in the episode, actually, which is the exact opposite of a sequence that wasn't supposed to be there, which ended up in there, uh, the insistence of the Disney executives, which was the, the, the snowman and the taxi cab. Uh, which was they wanted the Doctor in a bit earlier. Uh, so it had the sequence with him and then presumably the sequence with the policeman as well because he was otherwise going to be a very vague background for, force loitering around I in the background, which I suppose um, leads me to another thing kind of I might reference, uh, sorry, to kind of charge all over the minute challenges. This is this is a very Stephen <laughs> Moffat episode, isn't it? This is like Joseph yes. Davis does Stephen Moffat, like, 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 like uh, in particular, like the Doctor loitering around in the background. Isn't that isn't that Clara, uh, of a strange girl who's got some sort of significant thing in the past happening? Starting with a flash forward to the end of the episode that turns out to be slightly misleading is, um, is I want to say, the Magician's Apprentice uh, with 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 Davros. And uh, I mean, to be uh, fair, Russell did that first in Smith and Jones. Yes, to, uh, with the Doctor taking off his tie. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, there's there, there, there's lots of bits and bobs which made me think this is. Oh, and um, and you know, er erasing Ruby is 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 uh, in cold blood, isn't it? So it's and, yeah. and Rory. Um, so it's got a lot of, mm. of Moffatian tropes, also mixed in with a lot of of, of uh, Russell Russellian. David Davisian tropes. It's, he's harder. He's yeah, harder to going up. Device, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> RTD, RTD, RTD. Rusty. rusty? Yeah, yeah, rusty. That feels too familiar for me. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I, I yeah. Um, we've covered quite a lot of things that I've written down in other ways, but the one thing we haven't talked about is Mrs. Flood. Yes. Ah. Uh, are you an East Enders watcher, Nat? Have to say no. So that um, is maybe... Anita Dobson, who uh, was uh, queen of EastEnders when it first started. Uh, she, she was only in it for about three or four years, but uh, when it when it first began, and there was a Christmas special with uh, with just her uh, and Dirty Den, her husband, which uh, was the payoff for a storyline which had been bubbling away for months, in which uh, uh, he was going to surprise her with divorce papers. Yeah, uh, which oh, got wow. something like 30, thirty million viewers on Christmas Day. Uh, oh so, my gosh! Uh, so she is she is queen of soap, queen of Christmas Day, uh, and uh, so that her casting has a little bit of extra resonance. But this is another little thing that's being set up, uh, and it, this is the benefit that Russell gets from being able to plan at least two years of stories in advance. We've got all these little clues which we've had through the specials, and now there's extra one as well that uh, Ruby Sunday's next door neighbour appears to know what a TARDIS is. Mm. Uh, and appears to know she's in Doctor Who, but I think that's that's not quite so key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, there, that's right. There, knows what a fourth wall is. There's all manner of speculation online about this. I mean, like like br br like any time mm. there's a mildly mysterious female character, everyone goes, "It's the Rani." It's not the Rani. No, it's not the Rani. Trust me on this one. It's definitely not the Rani. Not least because she is not the person you'd cast <laughs> as the Rani in 2023. Much as I, I I love Anita Dobson and what she does, she's not the person you'd cast. Uh, and, um, and, and, and and I don't think it's Susan, and I don't think it's Romana. I, 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 oh. I'm fairly, fairly certain it's going to be somebody new. 
this is my thinking. I I think it's going to be someone of mild significance who might have like worked for an organization that's fully aware of it or whatever or something like. But I, but I I think it. I I've read someone suggesting. Oh, I wonder if it's a joke that's just got overplayed. Going, no, it's not. It's not that either. It's somewhere between those two things where I don't think it's in. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, this is the new big bad. Like I think some people are like treating her as being. No, it won't be that. Uh, it, it's it's going to be something a, a tiny tease, a tiny aspect of the greatest thing. It's like 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 um um you know the minor appearances in some of the earlier things, like 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 the one everyone's forgotten is Bertie Carvel. Uh, in something like the the one of the season three stories, uh, work, of a guy just working for Saxon. Also, oh, yeah. I mean, there's 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 this discussions about um, at what point does she know? Does she realise it's the TARDIS at the beginning of the episode, and then after Ruby's rescued, she seems to be a bit more understanding of the idea and all those sort of things. Where where is this bit going? I don't. I mean, I'm. I just think it's a minor tease for something that's going to be significant in the finale. And there is no point speculating about it on the basis that it's not, as I say, it's not going to be anyone we've ever heard of or anything we've ever heard of. Um, well, the one that I saw um, online was just because her name is Mrs. Flood. So people went straight to River Song because uh, she's Melody Pond. And that was the, you know, the water theme coming through. Um, I think it would be very strange given what I've heard about, you know, Russell T Davies and Disney wanting to do kind of new Doctor stuff, um, that it would be an older character so early brought back. I, um, because I wrote on my Minute Challenge, like, theories, um, maybe this was one online as well, perhaps I saw it as like, is she um, Ruby's real mother? That was one. Um uh, no. But I think it's more like, yeah, I, I, again, it, I think it was like, a, uh, maybe she worked for Unit in the 70s, or maybe she's like in the background of the, the Beatles episode. Yeah, she's Liz Shaw. Something like that. Yeah, because ultimately, it, it, the thing I kind of find entertaining with this is like everyone's making all the speculation based on that one, well, maybe like the penultimate scene as well. But but it's like they've forgotten the whole of the rest of the episode. Where you're going to go, yeah, because the Rani, if it's the Rani, what's the Rani going to do? The Rani's going to like move into a suburban house next to no one anyone's ever heard of and just mooch around and, and hoping the doctor turns up and get annoyed at passers by and do her shopping. No, she isn't. Bear in mind that <laughs> the context of the entire episode and all you see about the character as opposed to thinking, ah, oh, ah, oh, she broke the fourth wall. This means this. No, it doesn't. Think, no, no, forget. Yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm grumpy. Uh, <laughs> I think. People were very interested in the fact that Mrs. Flood's front door was kind of a TARDIS blue. So there was that thinking is, is you know, is her house a TARDIS? I just got the sense that um, in the Harry Potter novels there's a woman who lives up the road, Mrs. Fig, I think her name is, and she is a squib. So she's like a magical in the world of magic but doesn't have magic herself and they're called a squib and she's just kind of she lives near Harry Potter and it turns out that she was put there by Dumbledore just to keep an eye on him. So that was the best kind of theory that I had is that she's someone, as you say, maybe someone for unit and she's worked, um, she's keeping up her, her appearance as a, a crotchety local woman um, who everyone can dismiss because she's a crotchety old woman. And then it turns out actually, she, you know, she's just acting when she says, it's like, get this out of the way. And, yeah, you know, so that was my best theory as she's, as you say. So, um, it feels like there's maybe like two options. And one is a say unit option, though that would sort of have to only make sense if if they're aware of, of Ruby's significance in advance, which isn't implausible 
given the whole sort of weird uh, uh, um, adopted parents who mysterious parents type thing, which is clearly another subplot going somewhere. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, and again, that's going to pay off in the finale with something we can't predict. And, you know, it's too boring if it's her, she's her own mum or, you know, any nonsense. Like, no, it's not going to be that. Um, but so, yeah, that's not implausible. The, the, the alternative is it's just um, something a bit Father's Day where if, if the Doctor and uh, Ruby travel back in time to see her parents when she's young, it's not implausible that Mrs. Flood's still living there and recognises it from that previous time. They travel back to the 60s, say? Yes, mm. exactly. And then the last thing I put, having slagged off the direction, I have to say that the or the location work with the church and the snow and the night shoot all looked fantastic. Uh, it was really kind of beautiful English picture postcards, Christmas stuff, mm. and I just thought it was so beautifully done and so appropriate. And really good that the priests just obviously check the door frequently enough that nobody has to knock when they put their baby down, not even in a basket. That is they handy. just put it straight on the snow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I but the priests are obviously. Though, just... though it's worth noting, okay, in terms in terms of like thinking about this, thinking about this logically, he he checks the door at different times, chronologically, doesn't he? Because in theory, he, he's got like a magic sensor to discover where it's, where there's been a baby left outside of his door, but only triggers after about thirty seconds. Because the goblins, the, 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 in the original timeline, the it's the the woman places it there, probably a woman, don't know for certain, places it places the baby there. And then he comes to the door within about 30 seconds. In the new timeline, the goblins come and snatch him away. And then there's the whole spire and all of that shit happening. And then the priest still then checks it shortly after the baby's been put there. Uh, so he's come to the door at different times. So this is me being really finicky, but also because the timing the timing in that sequence doesn't work. Because how slow is that woman walking? How slow <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah. is she walking? She's made no distance. Of, does she stand and sort of pause for a second and go, I've got to walk away mysteriously and give the doctor an opportunity. He's busy doing some shit. And having said that, does that make sense? Because I'm thinking about it. Is there in the pre... No, I, yeah, it, it's fine. It, no, he could, have, he could have run after her quite easily. We've just seen him leaping over, you know, chimneys on, yeah, you know, yeah. like freaking Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. He can still see her, look a bit wistful yeah. and get back to the TARDIS. So she's clearly walking incredibly slow, kind of like going, come on, come on, figure out, come along, check out who I am. He could hold up his new sexy sonic mouth uh, and, and just go and get a reading and at least know, you know, is she human? Yeah, or? yeah. but it's, it's no, no, the doctor goes, ah, no, I must save this for the series finale. There is no need for me to know this mysterious thing about someone who's going to be traveling with me for a while, who's, whose birth is otherwise incredibly complicated. I can gain absolutely nothing well, from looking into this. To be fair, he's seen the impact <laughs> on the present day of messing with her past once before. Yeah. I think barreling up to her mum and introducing himself could cause repercussions he can't even imagine. Yeah, but That's he doesn't have true. to like, pass them true. on. He could just like, yeah, do a scan. Anyway, it's fine. No, no, to be fair, I, I like the bit. I liked the bit of the episode. So I'm just being like, you know, an absolute, you know, pernickety monkey. That's me. Uh, Nat, anything we didn't cover from your list? Yes, I have a few. Uh, I talked about the singing. Um, I talked about the Doctor's great riz and accent. Uh, you may have to export. What is that? Oh, Right. You may have to explain to me, as a as a desperately unsophisticated Antipodean, the meaning of Davina McCall. <laughs> now, obviously, 
I understand that she's a presenter. I've I've heard the name before. I understand she's a presenter, but why is she so important that it is hilarious to set up the fact that she might be killed by a falling Christmas tree? It's not particularly. She's so, it's just, like she's just she's just uh, she's a bit of a national treasure. She's been presenting uh, shows for a long time. She was the original presenter of Big Brother, uh, and there is a show on ITV which she does, which is kind of like the show that's being depicted here. Uh, and they had to get special dispensation. They weren't allowed to use the name of the show, but essentially she does that show where she helps track down people's biological family. Yeah. Uh, so it's not right. extra specially super hilarious that it's her being brained by a Christmas tree, but uh, she is somewhat of a national treasure and does do that show. Yeah, it felt like it it made sense. And in a weird sort of way... Um... It, 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 it's not like a given that you can have presenters who can act. She has done acting. She was in like her own sitcom at one point. I'm, I'm not sure she's necessarily ever going to be, you know, challenging the crown of the RSC, but um, there, there's something to be said for getting in someone to play a presenter who's an actual presenter, because it is a, because if you get, act, there's a few, and I feel bad about saying this because there's at least one of someone I know where there, there are various people who played presenters in t- previous episodes of Doctor Who, where I've gone, no, this is an actor doing a presenter. And it's it's a, it's a really different yeah. vibe. Um, oh, she she definitely was on point with the, you know, and w- this is what we do. We want to help people like you. Um, but, yeah, so I, it was just funny because when she calls her, it, I felt it was a bit clunky that she said, oh, by the way, can I ask, have you been having any bad luck? Because I have, and here's all the things that I've been involved in in the past three weeks. Like I've literally been run over by various things and trampled and and then someone had just left her parked with her leg up in a cast in a wheelchair, uh, just parked right beside a, a Christmas tree. I, I'll tell you one thing. She was just parked there while people were in the background. I was like, who's leaving National Treasure Davina McCall uh, just sitting there at Christmas tree? Calling someone on Christmas Eve to tell them that they didn't find anything. Oh, I mean, look, like, wouldn't you wait? I'm not. I'm not on, on her Christmas birthday Christmas. as well on Christmas Eve. Um, I, yes, I'm, on I'm, her birthday. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, like with almost all the Christmas, episodes, I'm reading the novelization of the Christmas Invasion at the moment as well. And as with all of the Christmas Aww. episodes of Doctor Who, you kind of have to have, have you slightly squint to go, yeah, this is never going to happen on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, is it? <laughs> watch, watch the Runaway Bride. If you always go, no one, no one is getting married at this time yeah. of year, but because it's a Christmas episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've sort of got to kind of slightly squint and go, oh, because the church is free. Oh, and some sort in, of um, in Raven on hand wave. Stu would always call these kinds of gripes that I have uh, this is where Natalie draws the line (laughs) and it would always be something minute and ridiculous and like just get over it Natalie this is you know so that's that's, that's why I bring it up it's a fair point because it almost at almost no point does he ever ever kind of and in fact this is for a Christmas episode again there's not a massive amount of engagement with Christmas uh, which is weirdly similar to the Christmas Invasion, because the Christmas Invasion goes, right, we'll have a few things that look vaguely Christmassy. They're not the plot, though. It's this thing, mm. which has got nothing to do with Christmas. And this episode, it, it, again, felt, weirdly for me, it felt like, and if it wasn't for the Goblin thing, I think, um, you know, I could imagine this being like a really solid 45-minuter, um, because there's not enough Christmassy stuff. I almost felt for a while whether it started off as a non-Christmas episode. Um, though mm. it, one thing I find intriguing, to go, to go back to the Davina McCall thing, is that given Davina was in uh, Christopher Eccleston's season of Doctor Who, albeit just as a voice, um, doing t- for her big brother Oh, yeah, she was a, narration. a droid, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, does she ever actually appear as a droid? I'm not sure, but I, she probably does. Um, 
Oh, I'm thinking of the android. There's the android and there's the the Trinity's android. But it really strikes me that uh, it's really noticeable, I think, with this season, because it's Russell T. Davis starting a season again. But it feels like him doing a lot of the same things, but it really makes it clear how much TV has changed in the intervening 18 years. Particularly if you watch one of the other episodes. Because I think the usage of Dina Bina McCall in this is much better than her usage in the in the previous episode, which had this slightly weird thing of going, yeah, in, in several thousand years, Big Brother's so iconic that they're going to use this voice from, you know, who did 10 years of it or yes. however long it was, which is yeah. really a, a, a little bit of a hard sell. Whereas this was uh, deploying the actual person. But it, 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 again, like it's a place that, it, you know, Rusty Davis would use all of those sort of clips of, uh, you know, like Derek Akora or whatever, like talking to the army of ghosts. So there would always be someone. And it and it felt a little forced then, but now it, this version of it felt really absolutely spot on and, and 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 using her to the best of her ability in a way that I wasn't always sure with those little cameos earlier ever entirely sold it to me. <coughs> well, to continue with my list, uh, I had mentioned, uh, I also thought that Lula Bell was a terrible name and thought, gee, poor all the kids called Lula Bell, but, you know, to be fair, Lulu, great. Lula Bell, unnecessary. Uh, and then the doctors are like, Lula Bell's a great name. Lula Bell's a great name. So I'm like, oh, is this going to mean lots of Lula Bells going, hooray, the doctor loves us? Or people going, maybe I will name the kid. Anyway, I just thought that was quite a funny running joke about Lula Bell. So, um, oh, incidentally, sorry, that, that makes me think, um, because I know Tom could got a tiny bit twitchy about this. Um, if we're using the phrase running joke, um, how are you? Yeah, I, Tom's immediately sighed because he knows what I'm about to say, aren't you? It's, it's a single yep. word, isn't it? It's the word yep. mavity. Um, Just stop. Just make it stop. I have no interest. It's so stupid. Yeah. I hate everything about it. <laughs> I did I did clock it and think, eh, how long is this going to go on? Is there going to be some kind of end of season finale? Oh, we better go back in time and... Just Doctor Who and the Mavity of changes. Evil. Just no, stop. I yeah. just can't. I just <laughs> no. Um, I'm yeah. That's yeah. Uh, I'm with you, Tom. I'm with you. I think. Um, but yes. Uh, I mentioned. Um, oh, we were talking about the Doctor and and Shishi Gatwa coming in so fully formed and fully and confident. Um, I did note that it was the first Doctor since possibly Christopher Eccleston who didn't kind of have a changing trying on clothes, pretty woman-style shopping yeah. montage with their outfit. Oh, and here's something else and I noticed I know- as well. Uh, he he's um, looks like he's going to be in a different outfit pretty much every episode. He has at least two changes of outfit in this one. And I think that's part of this thing of let's just have him wear clothes and not have him wear a yes. costume. And it struck me that although David Tennant is in the same clothes for all of his three specials, essentially no time passes in between episodes. Yes. He yeah. has the opportunity to go and change. The only opportunity yes. he has to go and change would be uh, after uh, the toy maker is vanquished and before he goes and has uh, curry with the uh, with the family. Uh, yes. But other than that, he has no opportunity. Uh, so I think this is a very deliberate yeah. policy. He'll have a look, he'll have a style, but he won't have a uniform. And I think that's all to the good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Likewise. No, I'm, that's, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing how the Doctor just styles it up because I think Christopher Eccleston would just turn up wherever he was and be like, this is what I'm wearing, even when he yeah. was going back in time. And Rose would put on, Rose Tyler would put on costumes and stuff, but he would just be like, eh, this is me, probably David Tennant too. Also, um, 
Also, I think it probably does have the from the, all the photos I've seen. It it does look like Shuti Gawa can make anything look good, like or <laughs> yeah. it, everything and anything. It's just as people going, "Yeah, you look badass. Great, fool. Let's move on." And I feel like I don't know. I have nothing to base this on except just I feel like he's kind of a bit of a style guy. So he probably just went, "Hey, let's put me in a lot of things." That's the impression stick, I get. Yeah, works. but yeah, but bold colors. Um, you know the the top that he was wearing that the, the, there's a slight seventies edge to him. I want to yeah. say, and obviously then he's got the utility kilt. But yeah, some of his cap- colors in this episode were kind of this sort of seventies thing, and obviously they're going back to the sixties, and he'll be in blue yeah. with the big fro. So yeah, I think there'll be lots of fun. But it was interesting that he didn't have that moment of going, um, "Here I am, this is me." And I think that, you know, there's probably something to be said there by people cleverer than I about the current idea of people going playing more with their clothes and playing more with their identities and all that sort of stuff. So it might tie in with that. But, yeah, it was just something that I clocked. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about the gloves, what you thought of the gloves. Like, again, this shows that he's – of, and, and there was the line also too about Harry Houdini, um, which could be read a number of ways, but uh, – the, the gloves is obviously something he's gone off and invented. Yeah. Um, in the intervening I, time, I, I'm all for that. The, it's the same school of thought as as, as psychic paper, really. Uh, where yeah, where which he used. It's, it's, yeah, straight it's up, used it. Yeah, it, it, it's something where you go. Well, let's just you know skip over the boring bits of storytelling and just rather than spend like ages of them getting really exhausted hanging onto this rope no they're fine mm. it's it's it, i i i also yeah. it, it serves a sort of a double purpose and it gives it's it, a superpower it gives him it's like iron man it gives him you know mega strength yeah. to pull down a yeah, ship yeah, I, onto a I, spire I, and kill everybody is that what happened there he killed everybody kill, kills the, the goblin king died. but then the others go into their other other dimensionally type thing somewhere else they, they bimble off into time yeah <laughs> yes bimble there's a word i'd never heard of that word before i you know i'm not an expert in the english language but i like to consider myself relatively well vocabbed but i went bimble bimble uh but wasn't yes. he chased by the one-armed man yeah <laughs> oh, i was the other way around ch- yeah he was chasing the one-armed man sorry every every dog house hen house outhouse and Tardis House. Um, but, yeah, I just want to say with the goblins too, did nobody else notice the goblins? They just, were they invisible? To, like we saw their little hands coming out to pull glasses away and to interfere with things and heard them cackling. But I think they're just sneaky. Were they? They're tiny. Yeah, but so they're supposed sneaky. to be like, 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 like two or three feet tall. Yes, but how do they travel so they move so quickly that nobody sees them and they're living on a ship in the sky? Again, this is where Natalie draws the line. Don't think about it. Don't think about it, Natalie. Just don't think too much about it. You're just thinking, you're just overthinking it. Just enjoy the crazy weird goblins and their weird karaoke session. Just let it go. <laughs> yeah, they might. I, it's um, possible that they've got some other uh, method of like hiding and flitting in and out of reality because the ladder would be potentially if they need to physically pick up something and return it to the ship, maybe. Whereas they can, you know, fit yeah. around as needs be otherwise. If that but you know, this is me just spitballing, making it up. Because she does catch them. Sense. Who cares? She, yeah. Yeah. She catches them on the roof. So they can't always be that fast. But uh yeah, they do they seem to get around nightclubs with nobody noticing. But hey, it's a nightclub. What are you gonna do? Shooty Gat was out on the dance floor in a hot outfit and a kilt. You're gonna be looking at him. Of course you are. Um 
And then finally, just to a few people online have noticed noted this, and uh, <laughs> it's something of a traumatic move. It was the, the whole like, oh, Millie was left. Millie, that's her name. Um, Ruby was left as a baby. Oh, so long ago. And even the the introductory voiceovers, like so many years ago. And it, it, it someone calculated like it's two thousand and four, <laughs> Christmas Eve, two thousand and four. That's when. She was left, and I just felt really old. Oh, uh, seeing as, that, just as, really as people have pointed out, terribly um, old. Even that—that's like I think this, a sequence in in uh, the end of time, isn't it, or something like that? Is 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 like a actually not? Does it work out timing wise with that? Yeah, yeah, it would have to be. Yeah, that when David Tennant sort of says hello to uh, Rose, it's the same Christmas when he basically says, "Oh, oh I think yes. next year is going to be a really good year." That's the same Christmas. That makes you feel. Oh old, wow, it? it is too. Yeah, because it's the first oh, series is two thousand and five. So if it's two thousand and four, yeah. Well, and you you were talking about TV changing so much in eighteen years, but also technology, um, because every time Ruby needed to look at the time, he was like, "What's the time? What's this?" And she just got her phone out and looked at it. And that's a very that's a thing that so many people do. You just get your phone out to look at it. But that would not have happened in the Eccleston and Chris, you know, and David Tennant days. And you think about the um, uh, the first Eccleston series is the year before the iPhone was launched. Yes, and the and in Rose is using a Nokia, I think, and he he does a little jiggery pokery yeah. with it to make it go through time, so she can call her mum. And then at one point, when the the Cybermen are the ghosts, I think is it when they're the ghosts. And they and everyone stops. Everyone's listening to their phones. Yeah, um, everyone and everyone AirPods. stops to listen to like, yeah. And they stop to listen to the news and the Daily Joke. But they still are using Nokia's. They're still using handhelds. Um, and you're just like, what's what? what? Uh, you know, the technology has changed so much that that was like futuristic. That everyone would like, oh my god, we've got AirPods. And I, I literally was just you know using them earlier when I was stacking the dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, time marches on and makes fools of us all. But that was pretty much me. Uh, so, shall we try and rank these? Oh, God, no. Yes, um, my, my, cha- my thinking changes all the time. Yeah, it's tough. I, I mean, I, I loved all of these. Uh, let me just say that. They're, they're all supremely entertaining. And I had the, the least quibbles with the Star Beast, which is why it's my favourite. And I had quibbles with both uh, the Giggle, which has some of the best stuff in it but runs out of steam towards the end. And this similarly has some pacing issues. It's probably it's probably on a par with the giggle, but it doesn't have anything that's quite as amazing as uh, the Spice Girls. So probably for me yeah. it's fourth, but they're all mm. stacked very close together at the top end of what Doctor Who is capable of. Yeah. For me, yeah, I mean, for me, it's still Wild Beyonder is, is top of my list. Uh, and, and then I think the other, I don't know how I'd, I'd rank the others really, because they all have have bits that, uh, make me go, oh yeah, amazing, and then uh, bits that kind of make me draw back. So, yeah, Star Beast is the better plotted one. The, the Giggle is the more fresh and um, uh, exciting one. But then at the same time, it, it's it, it's using a lot of old things. Whereas uh, the 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 dynamic of uh, Shita Gatwa and Millie Gibson is really amazing, and they're so sort of new and dynamic and exciting that that lifts this episode from being kind of an ordinary level. Of, yeah, I I really not sure where I place it because it feels like putting any of them in fourth is wrong. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, because I mean potentially this is fourth, but then I'm not I'm not sure, really not sure. So um, b- because yeah, 
I, I basically rang them as as probably Wobbly Yonder and the other three. Nat? I was just about to say the same thing, John. It's kind of like Wobbly Yonder and then the other three. And uh, um, I, don't, I think it's sort of hard for me to put this one in with the David Tennant ones because he's so iconic in my sort of history of, you know, yeah. New Who and how I came to the series. That it feels weird to kind of judge Shooter Gatwa against that where I think I much more probably prefer to rank this one with his series as it comes out in May. I know that's copping out, um, but uh, it, it feels a bit odd. I feel like the Tenant 3 uh, kind of stand um, as a as a – as an experience. Um, but yeah, while blue yonder is definitely my favorite of the most, uh, recent doctor who episodes that we've seen. <laughs> oh, what a cop out. What it's about. Um, all right. And if we're finishing up, uh, I would like to do a quick plug, uh, because, uh, my, uh, watching one episode of star Trek, a day project, uh, has become a book, uh, or in fact two, or even possibly, watch this space, three books, but the first book anyway, uh, which covers the original series, the animated series, and The Next Generation, is out on the 30th of March. It's called Star Trek Discovering the TV Series, and you can pre-order it now on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Incidentally... Tom, that's so exciting! <laughs> I didn't know that! I was going to say, if, if if that doesn't sound exciting enough, there's about 200 words by me in there. There is, yes. Aww. Yeah, specifically so about the I'm so show. thrilled. I can give that away. Yeah. I am, I am so thrilled because you were just doing those as tweets. So this is like a full expanded kind of commentary on uh, that might be enough to get me into watching Star Trek, which I've never really done. <laughs> well, well, maybe there's, a, there's a, a future uh, in- incarnation of, uh, of Raven on. Beaming on. Oh, maybe. Spocking, Raven Spock. Yeah. Trekking on, I guess it would have to be. Trekking on. Um, that's so exciting. I wish I had something anywhere near as exciting <laughs> to plug as a book. I I don't even think I've read a book in recent times. Um, so let alone written one. Did nobody buy a book oh my for Christmas? Gosh. No. Huh? No, I, I got some cash and gift vouchers. Oh. Sorry, I, I was just but thinking. I, I'm happy with that generally. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, because I, I, I nominally got a, a job I'm doing next year, but it hasn't been announced yet, uh, so I can't say anything about it in terms of a plug. But, I, but but you know what I did realise, though? Um, it's the, the I realised that it's going to mean that Saturday evenings in May, I'm booked for all of them. Oh, so and you are. June as well. Yeah. So, so I don't get to watch anything damn live. Uh, so, so this Christmas was a, Sorry, was a preview of that. So, well, no, I'm just going like, to you'll be joining us every Sunday. <laughs> well, you'll be joining. That's how we watch it in Australia. That's how I know. Like most of my friends who were keen on Doctor Who were just up at 5am or 6am <laughs> on Boxing Day to, to watch the episode before they could get spoiled. Uh, yeah. so that's just jo- join us, John, join us. That's how we in Australia consume yeah. this now. Well, it's even harder because. Because the ABC, at least when it was on the ABC, at least they would have it on at you know seven thirty PM, so you could d- conceivably go. Well, I'll watch it as if it was live. Now it's all on Disney. You did, just did watch I, it when you want. Did I tell the story about the sixtieth on this a few weeks ago? I'm trying to remember if I did or not. not sure. For the six the sixtieth anniversary, 
uh, I was booked in to record the final two episodes of the Radio 4 sitcom I did, My First Planet, which was really annoying. Because they said, are there any days you can't do it? I was going, well, technically I can do the 23rd, but I prefer not to. Uh, but it basically was at the big sort of the Excel convention for the 50th, for the whole thing. And and we finished the recording and then went for a cast meal afterwards. And then I had to get the tube back to Debden, where I parked my car, and drive home. So I got home at about one in the morning. I thought, right, I've got to sit, sit up and watch the special because because I knew I was spending the whole of the next day at a convention where not only would every single person there have seen the special, every single one of them would assume I had if I had. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you go, oh, God, I want to avoid spoilers. So I've got to watch it till two in the morning. Yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> um, well, I am uh, take, doing a play at Perth Fringe World. If anyone listening is in Perth, WA, I'll be taking a play there in February. You can find out more actreact.com.au. That's the most exciting thing I have to plug because I wish I could be 2024 there. is looking like a big empty thing for me at the moment. So um, fingers crossed. Um something more exciting will happen and, and, and hopefully more podcasting. Um, obviously I'm still readjusting to life without, uh, without Stu, my, my podcast buddy. So this four episode little run that we've done has been absolutely reinvigorating. So thank you so much oh, to I'm both of pleased. you for helping. Pleasure, hopefully no 2024, hopefully 2024 will bring more fun times. Yeah. Well, we have reached the end of our Doctor Who, the Church on Ruby Road Christmas special analytical podcast thingy. I would like to thank the wonderful Tom Solinsky and John Dorney from the Best Pick Pod for joining me. And please tell no, me no. where people can find you. I don't want uh, you can follow me, me on Twitter at you can follow me on Twitter at Tom Solinsky. <laughs> That's all I'm going with. I'm going. With. Yes. Uh, do you want to give your Twitter, John? No, no, I don't. No, no, no. No, I want to okay. be mysterious. Myster- mysteri- myster- That's fine. Dr. I don't Mysterio. even want to say the word mysterious more. properly. <laughs> <laughs> you will never know anything about John Dorney, but Nothing. you can go and uh, listen to a lot of his very fine work at the Big Finish Doctor Who Audio Productions, and I highly recommend you do that. Uh, once again, thank you to all of my wonderful patron patrons from Patreon. Gosh, that gets confusing. It really shouldn't by now. But uh, thank you all so much for your support this year. It has been incredibly wonderful and heartfelt and just thank you thank you from the bottom uh, of my heart I've said heart too many times now now it's awkward um and as I said I will hopefully be back in the new year with more content and thanks to everyone who listens and everyone who's reached out uh to offer their love and support post stew I know I talk about it a lot but it's still a big thing damn it still a big thing and uh, so thanks to everyone um have a wonderful 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 2024 everybody I hope the world improves and uh you all have the year that you deserve to have um because uh 2023 has certainly had its challenges and we deserve a fun year and hopefully shooty get well will be a big part of that thanks to everyone for listening and uh until next time we'll see you in the tardis oh gosh what did we say Allons-y. see you. i've got no idea alonzo oh my god but it's can't really he doesn't have a catchphrase yet oh did you get what doesn't have a catchphrase yes. yet bimble yeah, we'll need it. bimble bimble until next time we will bimble on along together bimble. see you then everyone bye, bye.